0: This is Betsy Jensen, and you are listening to Unstoppable Body and Mind, Episode 102, Four Ways Teens Trigger Survival Brain and Relaxation Challenge with Tori. In this podcast, we learn to upgrade our brain and understand the power of our thoughts to heal and to create the results we want in our life. Become the person in control of your healing and make peace with your life. Become Unstoppable Body and Mind. All right. Hello, my loves. Today, I have a special guest, Tori Henderson. She is a life coach for exhausted, overwhelmed moms. So if you're a mom, you probably fit into that category. Um, So I have her on today. We're going to talk about some interesting things and a really fun challenge that she and I are collaborating on at the end of this month. So more details on that at the end. But first, welcome, Tori. Thank you for having me Betsy, I'm very excited to be here. Uh, My pleasure, I'm excited to have you here. Your focus is really more working with moms of teens specifically, right? I,
1: I like to say like like nine to, nine to 19 is kind of my window I, to- <laughs> puberty, when puberty begins to yeah. the time out of the house because okay. there's a lot of podcasts and a lot of parenting support for the preschool years and the baby years and stuff mm-hmm. and my background is as a classroom teacher in I I love, I personally love the ages of adolescence and pre-adolescence and stuff, but I have plenty of moms who are exhausted and overwhelmed with younger children
0: and I coach them too. Ah, okay. And that is particularly of interest to me having, at one time I had four teenagers, my oldest just turned 20. So now I only have three teenagers and a 20 year old. Only three. And throughout the podcast, also listen for, we're going to talk about If you don't have teens, you're not in this specific category, there might be some other ways that this applies to other scenarios in your life with triggering events. We're basically talking about teenagers and the top ways that they can trigger survival brain.
1: Yeah, certainly there's some ways it'll be applicable to, I would say, family members, especially. Yeah, family or close friends that this is gonna apply to. So, yeah, when you're raising kids, You know, when kids are little, you're in survival mode, literally, like you barely get enough sleep, you barely have time to eat, you can't take your kid, you can't take your eyes off your kid or they could drown in an inch of water I mean it's like, it's a scary stage right but it kind of primes our brain to be on high alert where you're like, I can't take my eye off the ball. I have to always be looking out and make sure they're okay. And you know, if they're crying, it is 100% your business. If your baby yeah. is crying, that's on you. But when your 13-year-old is crying, (laughs) some of us still have this like response of like, oh no, my 13 year olds crying. Like, it's my job to fix it. I have to help her. Something's wrong. And it's like our brain kind of gets stuck in those toddler years when it's really not our job to fix it or to solve it. And- then we don't know what, how, what are we supposed to do when our 13 year old is crying and I hate school and I'm ugly and I'm fat. And nobody likes me. And as moms, we're just like, I must fuck you now. You know, like we get stuck in that toddler mom brain yeah, and we forget to give our brain the update, just like your computer, your iPhone, yes. the update every once in a while. Right. No? Our brains need that update and saying like, oh, okay, wait a second here. You know, my daughter's yeah. ten. Is this really an emergency that she's unhappy? You know, like, and just having yeah. to like talk our uh, ourselves down and like use our kind of logical brain and really try to figure out because it it changes every year. A hundred percent of your child's emotional state when they're babies and toddlers is like your business. Yeah. But every year, it becomes less and less your business yeah. and more and more their business, you know. And right. so, by the time they're thirty, if they're having a meltdown, you're like, ah, you know, ten percent is my business, ninety percent is theirs. Ah, yeah. yeah. So, so during those tween and teen years, or when this is transitioning, you know, like, is it my job to contact the teacher? you know, cause she doesn't understand why she got an F on her paper or is it their job? Like how much should I get yeah. involved? Should I let her fail? Should I try to help? Should I intervene? She won't let me, yeah. you know, that kind of stuff. And whether it's with school or with friends, it's a, it's an age of transitions for both moms and kids. Yeah. So it
0: sounds like this can happen to really good mom. And I'm using some heavy air quotes here for good, like, especially moms that are trying to really be good and maybe even change some of the things from what they experienced and people who are listening to this podcast obviously are into coaching. So this can happen to anyone, right?
1: <laughs> I, I like to say that I work with moms who fall under the four P's. Perfectionism, people pleasing,
0: self pressure, and pushing through—like I'm tired, but I can't afford to be tired. (laughs) Those are like exactly the same, by the way. As I haven't heard it exactly in those terms, but a lot of overlap with personality traits that are very dominant with people with chronic pain. People and I had perfectionism, and
1: I am my own, you know, client. Right? That's true. We need to learn. That's right. Yeah, I, I. And I think what's hard is, you know, you introduced me and you said, I work with overwhelmed, exhausted moms. And so you're like, well, if you're a mom, that's probably you, right? (laughs) Like there is this kind of cultural norm that when you're struggling and you go to your friends and you're like, I'm exhausted. Like I'm so overwhelmed, They're like, yeah, welcome to motherhood. Right. Right. (laughs) But that's normal. And so it's hard for those of us who are really struggling to be like, why is this so much harder for me? Why am I? why can't I be one of those moms that's like, ah, oh, whatever, it's fine, no big deal. And it's perfectionism, people pleasing, self-pressure and pushing.
0: Pushing through, yeah. Okay. That makes so much sense. All of those things dysregulate the nervous system right there, right? All of those things. And so if we have tendencies, which might've gotten us pretty far in life, they're not totally bad, but we also, again, like you said, the outdated programs, we just want to really assess are these traits helping us right now in this situation? Like you just said, you're like, oh, so like a good mom, <laughs>
1: right? Yeah. Like our society rewards us for being right. perfectionistic, people pleasing and putting pressure on ourselves to like do good work and be a good mom and be involved and be right. aware. And like, like it's almost like we're, if you're, I remember having that moment of uh, thinking, I think that good moms worry about their kids. I have a belief yes. in my brain that says if you're not worried about yeah. your kids, you're a slacker.
0: Right, right. Okay. So then exactly your brain will actually find evidence to start worrying about because you believe that's what makes a good mom. And then we know how much, you know, worry, anxiety, stress affect the body. I mean, that just destroys the body. And what we also know is that worry is not necessary, right? It's not our job. It's not helping anyone. It's not helping. I mean, I remember trying to find like someone to go,
1: I wanted to send my nine-year-old to summer camp and I asked around like all of his friends, like anybody else want to send their kid to summer camp? They're like, Oh,
0: <gasps> no, right. I can't well, let them out of my sight. You yeah, know, such a great analogy. Cause with living with chronic pain, you get in high alert and then safety, like feeling good about things starts to feel unsafe. And so like, it's kind of this idea of like, if I'm a relaxed mom, if I'm a, you know, like happy mom, if I'm like letting my child, you know, do things without me freaking out all the time somehow I'm a bad mom, that's a survival state versus, you know, thinking that you can be in a more calm state and that is safe. Your, your child will survive that way.
1: Yeah. And it's, it's our culture. Like if you go to the Netherlands or Denmark or something, they have a high trust culture. Yes. They just trust that everything's going to be okay. Yeah. And that people are good and their government's going to take care of them. And it's like, what's, And nobody, if nobody else is worried around you, then you absorb that like sponge, you know? And so it's no surprise when the Netherlands and Denmark rank highest on happiness ratings of all the countries, right? Right. So when you're sensitive and you live in a high stress, high worry
0: culture where worry is normal. Mm -hmm. Yes. It's easy to pick it up watching 24 hour news. I mean, it's easy to find things to worry about. You just open the paper, flip on the news, turn on your phone. I'm like, how do I stop these Apple updates? Cause I'm like, I don't even want to see like, they just give them to me. So, okay. So let's talk about the top four ways that teenagers trigger the survival state our survival brain. Right. So you might've been working
1: all this time, trying to calm yourself down and and get out of chronic pain and and learn to relax the nervous system and then adolescence hits. (laughs) And all of a sudden you're living in an environment that is a little more dysregulated, a little more chaotic, a little more emotional, right? So the number one way, probably I would say, this is probably like above everything else, that how kids early at any age can trigger our survival brain is and it shows up it's sneaky so I'm going to tell you it shows up sneakily okay because mm-hmm. I'll have moms come to me and they'll say like my kid uh it doesn't take school seriously enough. he doesn't care about his grades um uh, my kid takes school too seriously she like cares too much stays up too late I'm worried about her mm-hmm. my kid always wants to be out of the house never wants to be home always with friends my kid doesn't have any friends. He just wants to be home all the time. Mm-hmm. It's like, whatever it is, we're going to worry about it. Okay? Mm-hmm. And my kid's spending too much time on social media. She's always on her phone, you know, she, whatever. Yeah. It's, we find these things to worry about. And we think that the problem is the cell phone. Yeah. Or the problem is the grades, right? But what triggers our nervousness, triggers that to be a pain point for us is, seems to always come back to this thought of I'm failing. Oh uh, yeah. I'm not doing my job as a mother. If my kid sleeps till noon, I'm not doing, I'm not a good mom. If their house, their bedroom is constantly messy. Mm-hmm. I'm not a good mom. Doesn't matter what the complaint seems to be. Yeah. My kid wears dorky clothes. If my kid looks like a bum, <laughs> whatever they leave house. Yeah. Doesn't matter. It always seems to boil back to I'm failing, right? We live in what I call a blame the mom culture. Uh, Yeah. Kids, a hot mess must be mom's fault. Somehow we picked up on this idea. Mm -hmm. And so that is a huge trigger when our ego gets involved. And we think we have to fight for our success or failure as a mom, something that we care so much about. I mean, I don't know about you, but like, I want to be, if I'm going to be good at anything in my life, like being a mom is like way up there. Like I want to yeah. be a good mom. Like that's so important to me. Yeah. And so when I'm doing this, perfectionism is black and white thinking, mm-hmm. I'm either a good mom or a bad mom. I'm either failing or succeeding. Mm-hmm. Then it triggers our nervous system, we go into survival mode and we're like, you need to get out of bed right now, <laughs> yes. get out of this house, go make some friends, and we kind of come at this, like, you know, you might yell at your kid to turn off the TV, and like, God, what, what, why am I so reactive, like, yeah. why is the TV bugs me, it's because you put your, your ego on the line.
0: Yeah, well, and that makes so much sense, then, when you're putting all of your um, emotions based on this teenager's behavior, like how crazy of a thought is that to base your judgment on if you're doing well or not on how this other person who's going through all of these changes in their lives and Hormones like and friendship how, drama, yeah, how they and... behave is going to determine if you're a good person or not, if you can have mm-hmm. a happy day or not. Like I've had people even tell me, clients tell me like, well, you know, my mood is really just based on how my teenager feels that day.
1: We're going to get to that one. Yeah,
0: okay. <laughs> That's number three. <laughs> okay. it's like if you want a recipe
1: for a crazy stressed out mom mm-hmm. with chronic pain, let's throw that in there. Yeah. What you do is you take your ability to feel like a good mother and you put it in the hands of an adolescent. Yeah. And you say, okay, adolescent, please make me feel like I'm doing a good job. Mm-hmm. Make me feel successful. Show me that I've done right. Because that adolescent does not care about your ego. Mm-mm. And they are not, they're doing their own emotional roller coaster. Sure. We right? all they know. don't want to yeah. take care of your emotional needs, too. Yeah. So <laughs> yeah. that's really like the big one. And then the second one that kind of follows up on that is our tendency to, See a behavior mm-hmm. in our adolescent that we don't approve of you know when kids are little we're like oh they're so cute and then they hit to the adolescent you're just like oh yeah I can fi- I can tweak this this needs room yeah. there's room for improvement here you know nobody tops out at 13 like that's not like the best years of your life right yeah. when it comes yeah. to being confident or being you know kind of uh friendly or just new navigating social nuances like most people don't want to go back and relive those years uh-huh. of twelve to fourteen. Right. Uh-huh. So we're gonna see room for improvement. Yeah. But what happens is our brains tend to futurize and catastrophize. My mm-hmm. kid just wants to lay around all day. And then we go 10 years into the future, like, oh my God, he's gonna be a bum living on my couch. He's never gonna have a job. He's gonna be living off the family dole. Everyone's gonna think, you know, he's a loser and so am I, right? And we just go all the way into some dark, dismal future picture. And then our nervous system is responding to the picture that we just created in our imagination of this future future
0: scenario where our kid is miserable and has no friends and no job and yeah totally we freak ourselves out and then our nervous system our brain doesn't really know what is true and not and if we are really imagining something our nervous system can react to it just as if we are in that situation or being chased by a tiger same chemicals are released exactly exactly so that future so the featuring is and catastrophizing uh,
1: something that you see today and it could be it could be anything right mm-hmm. you catch your kid watching porn and all of a sudden you're like oh no he's an addict and it's 10 years down the road and he has no relationships yeah. and no healthy whatever like we can go
0: into all sorts of right. like our, our
1: brains. oh yeah and we hear there's to evidence to you know you
0: can Find some evidence somewhere you can get on the internet and you could be like, oh, what's the worst that could happen? Or our brains are just good at doing that, right? Like somewhere we've heard of something.
1: <laughs> yeah. Oh my gosh, right? You hear some story that happened to one person, you're like, oh no, it's yes, gonna happen to me. Sure. Right.
0: Okay, yeah. yeah. So it's basically so like two- what we do with pain where we catastrophize and rather than being kind of in the moment and actually knowing what is going on here and now. We go to this is never gonna change and oh now I'm you know broken forever, all these things. Catastrophizing. It's it's no yeah. good. It really triggers the nervous system.
1: And it's so fun. Like I'll when I, I'll bring moms together. I have a my leading your team group class. I have a one on one program or I have a group class for people who when they have a lot of similar similarities. Ah, it's gotcha. so fun to bring them together a group. It's like medicine for the soul because yeah. they'll listen to the other moms and they'll be like, um, I'm normal. My yeah. kids are normal. Yeah. It's the opposite effect of social media. If you go on Instagram, everyone's like, oh, my 20, my mini me, my mother, daughter, bestie. And yeah. you get like jealous. That's why right. it just came out. She's like, I'm so jealous of all these moms, right? Oh yeah. But you don't see behind the scenes. So when you offer a group class, you get to see behind the Instagram yeah. curtain. And you're like, oh, this is totally normal and we're gonna be okay and it's not that yeah. big of a deal. And it just helps to put it in perspective and it just yeah. calms it down. Yes. Right yeah, I love that. So good. Yeah. So that's the first one is is, you know, kind of the I'm a failure. Mm-hmm. <laughs> They're putting your ego into the hands of your kid. The second one is this futurizing catastrophizing. The third one mm-hmm. is what you mentioned, right? these mama says, my mood depends on my
0: kid's mood. Now this applies at any what? age. Okay. That literally is like said often enough that that is number three on your list. So that is, this is common guys. It's common. I remember like this thing, like Dr. Phil or something. And he says, you are only as
1: happy as your least happy child. And I was like, like my kid had depression. He was oh not gosh. happy. And, and you're I'm like, like are okay, you telling well, me I can't, I can't be happy? Oh, dang. And like, that's the thing, right? That people right. think that they can only be as happy as their yeah. least happy child. So <gasps> now I have to make my kid happy.
0: Oh, geez. So that
1: I can feel at peace.
0: Oh my gosh,
1: right. So I call this uh, overempathizing. Mm-hmm. I call it, well, what I like to I like teach moms to do is something I call taking the emotional lead in the home because when kids are little they're so cute and happy and adorable and you know yeah. like you can go to work have a bad day be in a grumpy mood and you walk in the house and your kids are like mommy love you the best and they just are like filled with loves and kisses that you can let your kids take the emotional leadership in the house mm. because mm-hmm. it's great they're happy most of the time. Yeah. They'll lift you up, and now you're right. like, "Oh, I don't feel so bad anymore. I'm, totally. My love tank is filled. My kids adore me. Yeah, who cares what my boss had to say every work, whatever." Totally. Well, if you let your kids continue to take the emotional lead in the home, yeah, all the way through adolescence, then suddenly you are riding the roller coaster ride of adolescence right along with them. mm Hmm. Like is it a good day or a bad yeah. day? You know, and like, oh, I'm holding my breath. I hope today's a good day. Yeah, and you don't get it. Doesn't feel good to give control of your own emotional state over to an adolescent who does not do a very good job of taking care of that for
0: us. Yes, that's the worst kind of like decision to make to to give it to someone who's just trying to figure out themselves. And we have these mirror neurons in our brains, right? That kind of, you know, we, that's why we cry
1: at, at movies yeah. and we smile at babies and they smile back. Like yeah. we're wired, you know, emotions are contagious. Yeah, we're wired to, yeah, you know, kind sure. of reflect and bounce off, right? But I suggest when adolescence comes, parents take the emotional leadership role in the house. Yeah, And so I'm going to let my kids bounce off of me mm-hmm. rather than me bouncing off of that yes so you think about well how do you want your kid to feel you know I want them to feel relaxed peaceful oh okay well then let's start with
0: mama. yes oh it's so brilliant because not only are you going to feel more relaxed and peaceful because that feels better to you but you are modeling that for them because they don't know what they're doing right and if we're depending on them for our emotions goodness sakes but if we are setting that you know level, that bar or that, you know, vibration, however you want to, or the, or the calm nervous system state we're regulated. We can co-regulate with other people. We can, we can hold that space for them.
1: Right. So it's like, you know, you could be all stressed out and crazy, but you walk into a, a church or a spa or even like a mm-hmm. library or something. And the environment sort of takes on this. You're like, oh. kind of feeling like we can do that with our homes so that our kids can go to middle school soak up all the crazies from all the other middle schoolers who are insecure and judgmental and trying to figure out who they are and don't have their identities they're a hot mess and then the kids come home and they ring out they soak up all that energy they ring it out but then you if you can maintain this dominant vibration yeah i remember reading this study one time they they put, they wanted to figure out who has the most powerful emotion in the room, like who Mm. entrains the other brains, okay? And so they put all these caps on their heads. They're like monitoring everybody's wires and so they can see which emotion they're in when they entered the room. And they had all these like different personalities coming in. And they kind of thought that the the, um, strongest personality Mm-hmm. Would be the one to like entrain all the other brains, mm-hmm. or maybe the fearful one, or the angry one, or some of these yeah. like strong emotions, right? What they found out is that the person who ended up entraining all the other brains in the room mm-hmm. was the calmest.
0: Mm-hmm. Oh, wow. That the
1: calmest person in the mm-hmm. room has more power yeah. than anybody else. And so that's just so good for us moms to remember. Yes. If we can calm ourselves down. Yes. Then we're more likely to be able to entrain our kids' brains to match us. Yes. Then if we are, you know, scared with them, freak, oh my God, I can't believe the teacher said that. You did what? Like, were they nice to you today? You know, sometimes moms, we try to show support for our children by, uh interviewing for pain
0: Mm -hmm. were your
1: friends nice to you today what did the teacher Mm -hmm. say did he change your grade it it kind of like we want to bond and we could we we do it through like tell me all the (laughs) crap
0: interesting yeah interviewing for pain that's so interesting how where's the pain today share it with your mama
1: I'm your person you know I got your back But that does not help the kid. It teaches your kid to stay in pain or suffering or struggling or who's out to get me or complaining. Right. And they have, in order to make mom happy, they have to be suffering in some way
0: hmm there's got to be something to talk about and then your your reticular activating system you start to look for that you start to look for people who are offensive to you and look for people who are rude and that person just turned their head and you know it can be the littlest thing and so yeah it is a way parents think that they
1: support
0: their yes. kids
1: yes and like oh my kid always comes to me with their problems therefore I'm a good mom, or they know I have their back, we're mm-hmm. actually training our kids to look for problems.
0: Yeah. And that is so common with pain where we train, we've trained ourselves forever to look for problems. You know, I'm good in all these areas. This is perfectionism too, right? Like these are satisfactory and, but I'm not quite perfect at this. So I'm going to focus on this one thing and really, you know, emphasize how bad this thing is.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And we do it with our kids too. We're like, oh yeah, you're great. And all these other areas, but boy, you really need to be better in this area, this area. And when we do that to ourselves, it's a natural overflow to start doing with our kids.
0: Yeah. And it is a survival state. It's the state of flight where you're like, there's a problem I have to fix. What's the problem? Find the problem, fix the problem. It feels so productive. It feels so important. It's really, you know, heralded in our society to be in flight a lot of the time what a good mom oh you're hustling all day and night great but yeah what if there aren't all these problems to fix right most of these things this is teenage life things work out like us being involved it's like my dog he just got a cut on his paw and he's just been licking it so much that it won't heal Mm. so they had to put a cone on him so he won't keep licking it and just like mm-hmm. let it alone so it can heal on its own. Well, that's a great metaphor right? for product pain or, yes.
1: or whatever. Just like put a cone on yourself. <laughs> Sometimes we analogy. have to discipline our brain to steer it in directions that are healthy for us.
0: Yeah. Just distract, think of other things, focus on things that are good, things that are working out. It's okay. to love. enjoy your yeah, gratitude. Just
1: to like, well, how do I want to feel? Yeah. You know, what do I want to think about? What do I want to focus
0: on? Like focus thinking about your values. Yes. And that is safe. That's okay to do. You will be not only a safe mom, a survive, you know, one that survives, but one that thrives because you're, you know, you're regulating your nervous system and you're not overstressing yourself. Yeah.
1: And this like
0: overemphasizing it's, um, very
1: easy to do with, other family members, as well as kids or good friends, you know, your best friend gets diagnosed with breast cancer. All of a sudden you've, I call it falling down the well, Mm -hmm. your best friend falls down the well, you fall down the well with her. Yeah. And you're like, you know, Oh, mm, this is terrible. You know? And it's, it's something we do to try to help. Mm -hmm. You know, we're like, Oh, I feel bad for the people people on the news, right. Some school shooting or something. Yeah. Yeah. And you're like, Oh, here's my empathy you know I'm a yes. very empathic person so I'm like I'm gonna fall down the well with you so that we both are now suffering and are both grieving and are both sad and scared Yeah. and it's something we we think that helps yeah and in a way it can make the other person feel better because they're like hey at least if they know if it's your family member or friend yeah but if it's on the news they don't yeah. know you're suffering so it doesn't help them feel any better right
0: exactly but it doesn't
1: help you it makes you feel worse yeah because there's something you know it can only help so much like oh we're in solidarity we're in this together but like it doesn't in the long run it's not great but the other thing we do to try to help someone who's suffering whether it's a teenager or a family member or friend is we move into their life and we tell them what to do
0: Mm -hmm. I know how you could
1: fix that problem all you got to do is oh you fall down a well let's see you got to shimmy up the sides and climb on up and you'll be golden right
0: totally right
1: and then that Mm -hmm. makes us feel better because like oh I have the answer to your problem Mm -hmm. but it makes them feel worse because Mm -hmm. we're meant to solve our own problems Mm -hmm. you know there's falling down the well has a purpose right we've got Mm -hmm. to build up our resourcefulness, our grit, mm-hmm. our sticktiveness, whatever, like that ability and knowledge and know how to so that every time we fall down a well we know how to get out, yeah, yeah, right so we don't want our mom to swoop in and rescue every two teenager that falls down a well they've got there's a reason they're down there, yeah, it's their problem to solve. So if you told them what to do and they haven't done it, that's how you know it's yeah. not yours mm-hmm. it's theirs yeah, so the way in which. I like to think about this. as like, let's say your kid has fallen down a well or a loved one. You see that they're at the bottom of the well. Mm
0: -hmm.
1: You don't have to jump down with them. You don't have to tell them what to do to get out. You can just sit above ground, Mm -hmm. remind them of where they want to get back to. Yeah. Like I can see you falling down a well. It looks really Mm -hmm. dark and gloomy down there. But you know, like up here, it's a beautiful day. Yeah. The sky is blue. The birds are singing. Mm -hmm. I'm good. I'm unfazed. Mm -hmm. You can be at the bottom of the well and know that you're not going to pull me down with you, that I can be content and peaceful and ease even while you're at the bottom of the well. It's Mm -hmm. such an important life skill to learn if you have a lot of empathy and you care deeply about people.
0: Yes. I think There is a thought about empathy that, you know, especially a lot of people with chronic pain are very empathic. I think we feel a lot of things through our bodies because, you know, that's, that's part of how we know we're empathic. We're feeling these big emotions and a lot of people with big emotions have chronic pain. So these all tie together. And sometimes there is this kind of helplessness about, well, there's these mirror neurons and it means I'm empathic and, and I'm just going to be the, the you know, set point of what other people are. But even when you're empathic, when you use these skills to create that peace, that state of calm in your nervous system, empathy doesn't necessarily mean this is a life sentence of you're just going to feel what everyone feels around you. That's the end.
1: Absolutely. In fact, in our challenge that we're going to be doing at the end of September, I'm going to, one of the things I'm going to be teaching is what to do instead. Oh, good. You know How to, I would say like empathy will use you if you don't learn to use it. Yes. So we're going to use empathy, mm-hmm. take on that, uh, you know, the negative emotions that other people are experiencing and transform it in the body
0: mm-hmm. into a positive, into love going to transform it, it it's not going to be like depleting to the body and because that's the other thing people talk about a lot is oh their energy just drains me and how to take it in
1: transform it into love so that you benefit yeah. and they benefit and you create it. more love on the planet rather than more yeah. worry or more sadness or more fear
0: mm-hmm. You're creating more love and that's what as empathic people that's what we want anyway yeah and so, I think we'll yes. be able to do that easier than people who aren't as empathic. So although it is, it may seem like, oh, this extra burden to be empathic or even to have chronic pain, Um, we can start to learn from that. We are more sensitive and probably able to alchemize into a more powerful emotion, I would say, because- You just need
1: tools. If you are have high empathy, you just need uh, tools to, yeah. to use it because it is- it is <laughs> It is not easy
0: Yeah, to live in this a learning world. curve. And it, how great would it be to figure that out so that we can help model that for our kids? Yeah. Because that's yeah. just about all we can do. We can't force them. We can't tell them. I mean, they'll do the opposite sometimes, but the number one way it. children
1: learn is through imitation.
0: Yeah. yeah. Yes, absolutely. All right. So let
1: will get to the fourth way. Yeah. The teenagers kind of trigger our survival brains and affect our nervous system is we, uh, I can feel it already. My daughter leaves for college in seven days, one week. One week. So we resist emotions. Mm
0: -hmm. Okay, so
1: as your child grows into adolescence, Yeah. A lot of emotions moms are experiencing, right? So, and it's all over the map. You might feel pride and embarrassment. (laughs) You might feel, you know, you might feel like so, you know, happy for them, but sad for you, right? That they're moving on. You might feel regret or sadness over the days that have passed that are no longer, no, that ever going to return or continue. Totally. You know, you're going to feel love and fear there's going to be terror yeah. you're going to be frustrated you're going to be rejected when your kid won't hug you anymore and like yeah. what the heck am i supposed to do with rejection you know like yeah. you're my baby and i can't touch you like yeah. what's up with that you know there's so right. many emotions yeah. that come up for parents while raising yeah. teenagers yeah. and it's not there's not a lot of room or space or you know like appropriateness to feel them all the time, mm-hmm. right? So it's like, you're trying to get dinner on the table. <laughs> you know, you're trying to yep. get the kids out the door, There's right? So of it, you don't have yeah. time to like process all the emotions that are coming yeah. up. And so I think wh- one of the things that triggers our survival brain is this resisting of emotions. Like, totally. um, I don't want to think about my kid leaving the house someday. So I'm not going to mm-hmm. think about that, you know? Mm-hmm. I don't want to feel embarrassed by what my child chooses to wear or the gender they choose to identify or whatever. Mm-hmm. So I'm not going to feel that. And so we just kind of push it down. Mm-hmm. And so that resisting emotions, whether it's grief, loss, sadness, shame, all the ones like, you know, we don't mind feeling excited and happy and sure. loving and joyful, like those we usually allow, Yeah, but the negative ones we kind of like brush on the rug and we don't really talk about it and so mm-hmm. then it's just we kind of just feel like you're holding your breath for mm-hmm. the decade you know kids are in adolescence for a decade like 919 yeah. that's 10 years that's a long time
0: yeah, Right. To suck it
1: up yeah hold yeah. your breath cross your fingers and just like hope everything's gonna go okay just
0: push 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 down resist resist yeah that what you resist persists we know that leaks and leaks out the side it does right and so it's like that beach ball analogy when you're just pushing a beach ball underwater and then eventually it rebounds up more and so it's Mm -hmm. like oh I don't want to be that angry mom maybe or you know I'm not going to show the anger you're pushing it down pushing it down and then you explode and or you you know you finally get the
1: everyone to bed and you're like, oh my God, I'm so exhausted. Like I deserve a treat. I -hmm. deserve some cookies and some wine and some potato chips. And you know, Mm -hmm. those are like the convenient ways that uh, moms reward themselves for Mm -hmm. a hard day's work. And it it feel it's hard resisting emotions Mm -hmm. and raising Mm -hmm. teenagers are both hard and feeling all the feelings is hard. And so Mm -hmm. you do deserve rewards. You just want to have like a reward that doesn't leave you hungover the next day. you know
0: yeah, if it has a net negative, if you're feeling worse, if you're shaming yourself about it, yeah.
1: yeah, and so sometimes it's just walking through, you know helping moms how to walk through the the fear and and the letting go and yeah. the, you know, just the clean grief, the like appropriate levels of grief of like, you know, those days of doing crafts with my mm-hmm. daughter at the kitchen table. like, you know yeah. to say goodbye to that feels sad but in a healthy way so we want yeah. to make sure we're processing the healthy emotions yeah. and then reigning in the the fear of the future yeah. and stuff like that yeah yeah and i think we can get caught up in like i should feel this way and i think that's one thing that yeah. social media tends to influence a lot and other oh gosh, parents yeah. and culture of you know i should feel sad when my kids going off to college but what if I'm not, (laughs) you know, what if I've got freedom? I even have to resist like the happiness or the giddiness or the excitement or whatever. Like there's Mm -hmm. so many shoulds.
0: Yeah. Okay. Well, that is so good. I love how you've um, combined them into those four categories. So you can really see the insidious ways that we might not really be realizing that these things can sneak in. And like you said, I think it starts innocently with being, you know, this, um, this great super mom, you know, you can just anticipate your kids needs and, you know, all the things to do to keep them happy. And then it's like, not your job when they're nine (laughs) or 13. I call it super
1: mom kryptonite, you know, it's this like invisible energy drain, this invisible toxic Thing that your body is aware you're doing right. The body is holding on to the tension, yes. the, and like you, if you tune into the body, I would say like my number. I've learned through years of chronic pain. Like rule number one: obey the body. Yes. Don't listen to the brain. <laughs> Don't listen right. to the
0: shoulds. Yes. Obey okay, the body
1: first and yes. foremost.
0: Well, body and knows. really quickly, do you mind just sharing a little bit of your chronic pain story as much as you want? Really. Yeah. But I do know sure. that, um, you know, the, the pelvic pains are, are like that is a common diagnosis in the minority yeah. area right now. Um, And so, yeah, I right don't mind sharing That's your story. Funny. I know it's like, it's like a popular diagnosis right now. It used to be like carpal tunnel when computers came out, or like stomach ulcers, and and now like the pelvic pains and lower I mean, back so, pain. It's so late. weird to me that like pain can go in trends, right? But, um, yeah, it's so um, it does. But yeah,
1: no, I I um, so well, let's see. Back in, I guess so, I was like 21, maybe 22 or something, and I developed vulvodynia which I don't even know if they called it back then but it just basically meant like pain in the vagina of no
0: unknown origin you know like they no, don't know like why it's tissue there. damage or anything that they knew of that was like yeah there was pain, no trauma was I mean I
1: didn't have any kind of trauma or okay, yeah I didn't have any reason to have yeah. vulva pain I just yeah. did and um, but it also had some back pain
0: -hmm.
1: And that I, you know, kind of kept under wraps or kept in control. I guess it was just like more than you'd think a twenty-one-year-old healthy, you know, person should have.
0: Yeah. Um,
1: And but it was interesting because as I, so I did. I ended up going to physical therapy Mm -hmm. for vulvar pain, Mm -hmm. which was embarrassing to to really. Yeah, that's very intimate.
0: Yeah, it was very.
1: And I did biofeedback. Yeah. So yeah. like they put like a sensor in the vagina and like you mm-hmm. squeeze it, you watch on the screen, and it yeah. in a way it was validating because like you know, the worst thing for me was doctors being like, like this is all in your head. Yeah, and I'm like F you, you know, like yeah. don't, I was I remember saying to like one doctor, like, the only thing stressing me out is you telling me I'm stressed, you know? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Because I, you know, there's a difference between like mind body syndrome. Like, I didn't understand what that was and how stress affects the body. Yeah. I thought he was saying, you're making
0: this up. Yes, yeah. So that, and I, that's yeah. what I heard. was
1: like, you're making this up. And I was like,
0: this is real. It's you know? real, yes. The brain so produces pain. It's pain. always real pain, whether there's tissue damage or not. But yeah, the medical yeah.
1: So the work lens, that you do is yeah. very valuable to people out there who are yeah, told, yeah. like it's stress related. You're like, hmm yeah, you know, because of how I would interpret that. So,
0: totally. yeah, and so I went
1: to you know Petina's validating because she was like, "Oh, you've got very weak muscles and what mm-hmm. and so that helped and strengthened, and I learned how to relax. Oh, and it was nice. really helpful. But then once I got the vulvar pain kind of under control, you know, it was a very slow, gradual improvement.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Uh, I don't know if it ever like magically went away, but it was just kind of yeah. like your focus comes off of it. Your attention yes. leaves it. Yeah. You know how to relax. And then it's almost like 10 years later, you're like, oh yeah, it's not really that not problem anymore. So, um, but as soon as the vulvar pain kind of recited, then my back pain. Oh, exacerbated. Interesting. Yeah, I started having really bad and then having babies and carrying them and pregnancy. Yeah. Oh my God, my back pain was horrible. Uh-huh. So then I go to PT and chiropractor and massage and yoga and Pilates. I do all the things, they all work. Uh-huh. And then I get TMJ.
0: <laughs> mm-hmm yeah but, okay so I I got, there are probably people who can relate <laughs> they're checking like, the boxes too those are all yeah
1: and so that facets. and then you know they yeah. want me to do massages and like where whatever, whatever I'm just like yeah. oh my god and finally I was like 40 and I'm like I need to stop uh learning to carry tension in the body mm-hmm
0: yes. like, how so do I feel
1: tense without holding it physically yes because I realized that was the problem it was a habit right so even yeah. if I wasn't stressed I'd be like outside squinting at the sun and I would clench my teeth yeah or I'd be concentrating I would or I don't I, I this is how I this is like my big like, moment because soft skin babies, like when I love them so much, I love them and I just clench everything. I'm like, uh, I love you, but I don't want to squish you to death. Yeah. So I'm going to hold tension in my body, right? So their soft skin was just like, yeah. oh, I love that baby skin. Oh, wow. So when I practiced, I remember dog sitting, somebody else's dog. And I was the same thing. This dog was adorable. I just wanted to like squish it. So I was clenching my jaw, and yeah. holding tension in my shoulders and everything. And I just practiced. Feeling love uh-huh. without resisting, right? The tension in the jaws, the resisting love, mm-hmm. and I just pictured like opening up my heart
0: mm.
1: and allowing the love to be there without feeling like I had to restrain myself or hold mm-hmm. myself back, and just trusting I wasn't going to squish the dog. Yeah, but just like feeling the emotion uh-huh. of love and just yeah. finding a
0: new way to do that,
1: and I practiced it on someone I else's
0: love dog. That. Well, it it's finding that parasympathetic calm state, like the way you describe it is in your own words, but that's how I heard it is basically like you found something that regulated your nervous system, and that emotion of love and that connection with the dog, and it was like a practice, like training new neural pathways to feel I can okay. feel love towards, yeah. and because that was the problem, I
1: love. Too much, right? Yeah. I love. My well, kids. you had that I fear. Dogs. I loved a fear well, around it was, love
0: being dangerous. It was like a
1: resistance to it, yeah. right? Like I can't express it yeah. or allow. I just had to hold it back. It's kind and of so like learned- a resisting
0: happiness, maybe, or resisting yeah calm because you're like I have to be worried.
1: Right. Yeah. Or like the other shoe is going to drop. So I don't want to celebrate because everything's going too well. So it's like resisting. So I had a resistance to, or just a suppression. Right. So to actually allow myself to feel like, what does love feel like as an emotion in the body? You know, that's what I'm feeling. It feels it's in my heart area. It's warm. It's expansive. It's soft. And just to like breathe and allow that rather than running away Mm -hmm. from it with tension, you know, and like, I had to relearn how to feel a feeling. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that's, you know, what I, I love that. Of course life coaching was super valuable for that. And all the, mind body work, but I did a lot of self-help. So like that definitely helps.
0: Yeah. Well, it's so cool. Cause it sounds like you figured that out, you know, kind of in your own intuitive way not necessarily with like Dr. Sarno's book or you know you might not have known new, the new PRT method that they do now you know but it is that idea of like you can feel in your body when these emotions are you know very negative when they're blocked in the sense that you're holding that tension like using your body as that barometer of mm-hmm. your stress level yeah the best book for me
1: was the happiness trap I read a ton of books. You know that that book. No, um, I don't. Happiness trap. Happiness trap. Um, for me it was really good because he was like, (laughs) I just needed this. He's like put the book down and do this exercise oh, <laughs> Don't yes. just read about it and intellectualize it yeah put the book down and do it and do for some it. reason that's <laughs> what I really needed is like the perfect thing at the perfect time and so I I started noticing the body's connection to the yes. thoughts and the anxiety and the and I was like I could feel, the benefits and the difference, and that's yes. what helped me kind of like take ownership over it. Because before, I would go to yoga or go to hot tubs, like, oh yeah, that helps. But it was like other yeah. people were helping me. Yeah, that was really when. And then just doing like self coaching and you yeah. know learning how to not, yeah, hold
0: on the body. Okay, well, that is like actually the perfect segue to talk about our event that's coming up, our five day. <laughs> relaxation challenge and we also love to just laugh at that um title because it's like challenge but it's also relaxation so like what do you mean relaxation challenge yeah. like yeah. how is
1: that a challenge well let me tell you yes is, there's a lot of people out there and the people listening might be those who struggle to relax yeah or you think you know no I'm fine I'm relaxed but like there's a difference in the body actually yes. Stepping into that parasympathetic state, yes, and you know you've like the you know the difference between like the absence of worry and then actually like
0: a physical relaxation. Yes, exactly. Like you were saying from that book, what we are going to do in our challenge, and this is going to be the last week of September, the twenty-six, yeah, twenty-sixth 26 to the thirtieth. Yep, mm-hmm. a five-day relaxation challenge, and we are going to actually get experiential. We're going to do things with you. We'll lead you in meditations or different modalities for yep. experimenting with calming the nervous system. Right. It's going to
1: be in the body. It's going to be real time. We're not going to talk about, we'll talk a little bit about what we're doing and how it works and why it works, but you're going to actually get the opportunity to experience five different ways of calming down the nervous system, connecting and relaxing with the body so that you can find the one that works best for you. Because some people, they hear the word meditation and it just makes their skin crawl, you know, because it's so difficult to just sit and think about nothing. So there's gonna be yes. other options for you. Yes. So you can find the one that you feel like works best for you. And so then you'll know which you know what to bring into your daily habit routine.
0: Yes. Oh, I'm so excited. Will you tell a little bit more about where people can find the information for signing up, for making sure that they get in on this and um, what else we're offering?
1: Yeah. So we're going to do the challenge inside my Facebook group, which is called Super Mom is Getting Tired. So that's the name of my podcast, as well as my Facebook group. So you can go to Facebook and put in the search bar Super Mom is Getting Tired. And you don't and have to be a mom, by the way. <laughs> you don't have to be a mom to participate. It is a, re- a request to join. So you have to you know, ask to join the group. It's a closed group. It's not open to the public. So oh, okay. do request and then we will uh, approve you and have you join. Our, and then we're going to be doing it every day at the same time. We'll meet together, come together inside the side of the Facebook group. Mm-hmm. And we're going to actually get you calmed down and relax. It's going to be the best part of your day. That I feel like it's like just, it's like a little gift you get every day to Mm -hmm. just reconnect and feel really, um, you know, calmed down and relaxed. So, and then at the end of the week, we're going to have some giveaways and some freebies and things for people to uh, enjoy and take with them. So this is, you'll get to experience it every day for five days, and then you'll have things to take with you afterwards to really help integrate it into your life.
0: Yes, perfect. All right. well, this is gonna be amazing. I'll have more details about Tori and about our um, relaxation challenge at the end of this month in the show notes. so so be sure and click on the link and look in there for all. of Yeah, your- and
1: invite your friends. If you have friends that are stressed out and they need yes. help relaxing, send them the invitation, send them has tell them to join the Facebook group. Because yeah. we all know who needs help relaxing. We all have those people in our lives, right? Yeah.
0: And so you're, they struggle you're to relax. They can join if they're not a mom, right? They can. Yeah. Yeah. As everybody not going to ask questions to about it. that.
1: Yeah. It's not going to be catered to moms of kids at any ages or whatever. It's yeah. really just for you to reconnect with your nervous system, really. And like how to be in the master of it mm-hmm. rather than like it running you. We want you to run it.
0: Yeah. Yes. Perfect. All right. Well, thank you so much for joining. I feel like we could just talk forever about this um, because our two worlds really overlap so much. And especially with uh, with the chronic pain, you really have that insider, insider's view on the Absolutely. body and the importance of of that emotional and nervous system regulation.
1: Absolutely. Yes. We are definitely uh, have similar
0: missions in, in uh kindred spirits. So thank you so much for having me. It's been awesome. My pleasure. All right. Have a great week, everyone. Take care. Bye-bye. Thank you so much for listening. I hope you learned a little bit about your brain today that helps you in your life like it helped me. Please be sure and subscribe and leave a review. And of course, be sure and share this podcast with someone you know that wants an unstoppable body and mind.